Okay, this episode is going to need a lot of disclaimers. First, welcome back to Professional AF. I am Diana Kander, your curiosity captain. I'm so glad to have you here today to talk about one of my favorite new topics, sleep. My guest today is Kristen Holmes, Vice President of Performance at Whoop. Now, as you know, Whoop is a sponsor of the show, but that's not why Kristen is here. I wanted to talk to an expert about sleep and actually understand much more about the analytics that I've been getting from my Whoop band. And I was so excited to talk to Kristen. This is not a sponsored episode. Nothing like that. As you may recall, every advertiser this season is a company that I already used and loved, and we actually approached them, not the other way around. So this show is not at all an advertisement for Whoop. I mean, Jason and I are going to do an advertisement for Whoop, but that is just great timing. (laughs) That's all. This is my personal curiosity, trying to explore the biggest part of our day that we take for granted. Sleep is not something that you have to endure to be able to function. That's how I used to think of it. Sleep is an amazing miracle process that makes you function at your best and regenerates and restores your body each and every night if you let it. Kristen works with thousands of the best professional and NCAA athletes in the world. If your favorite athlete is having trouble sleeping, she's the one that they would call to help understand and interpret their data and figure out what to do about it. Kristen is also an amazing athlete and coach in her own right. She's a former member of the U.S. national field hockey team, as well as one of the most successful coaches in Ivy League history, having won 12 league titles in 13 seasons and the first national championship ever for Princeton University. Kristen and I are going to talk about why sleep is more important than nutrition, exercise, and anything else you could do to improve your life. What are the different stages of sleep and how can you maximize the ones that you need? What sleep hygiene is and how to develop your routine? The 90 second habit that you need to adopt to increase how quickly you get to sleep at night and how to go back to sleep in the middle of the night. Before we get to the show, please take a quick second to review the show wherever you listen to it. Almost no effort for you, but it means so much to me and the people considering the show for the very first time. I thank you for your help, and I am excited to get to introduce you to Kristen Holmes. Okay, Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about why I'm so excited about this conversation. So for 12 years, my husband had undiagnosed PTSD and all of the symptoms associated with it. I had what I didn't know was secondary PTSD, uh, and it manifested itself in both of us in anxiety, depression, anger, all kinds of things. And so about a year ago, we took a step back from everything and decided to just focus on our, you know, physical and mental well-being. And that is easier said than done. (laughs) You know, like a lot of people aspire to prioritize themselves more, but they don't really know what to do. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you. You're used to working with professional athletes and people who want to like really reach the peak of their profession. And I really want to just talk about how to take care of ourselves in many ways that we don't understand are important. Totally. I, you know, it's working. I work a fair amount in the tactical space uh, and even in the with the professional athletes, um, you know, it, it, it would probably shock you to, to know how many folks are just walking around every day with mild to severe 
brain trauma, <laughs> you know, and it's really a problem, you know, a, a national, I think, health issue uh, that that needs to be explored. And and folks need to understand, to your point, you know, what are what are some things that you can do in your daily life? What are the behaviors that you can adopt that can help mitigate some of the symptoms and, and to adopt a lifestyle that would, you know, help you on a better path? We are highly motivated, but still very curious about what should we be doing, right? So should we just yeah. be drinking a lot more water? What what else do we need in our days? What are like the the things that you think are the most important for optimum performance? There's no question that the most important behavioral experience we have as humans is is sleep behavior. So at a, at a foundational level, that is 100% where you need to start. You cannot build effective and efficient exercise protocols, dietary habits on a system that is underslept. So I think that is 100% the place to start. And and I and I think it's worth every bit of investment that you have to get it right. And and I think people will say, yeah, 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 I know my sleep isn't good, but it's it's the root cause. Insufficient or short sleep is the root cause to all mortality. So when you think about cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, psychiatric disorders, you know, anxiety, uh, depression, obesity, uh, you know, the, the root cause is short sleep. So if you can correct that, there will be a windfall of benefits and, and opportunities that, that come from getting that right. Okay, well, I hear what you're saying, but I want to play devil's advocate a little bit because sure. at the peak of his PTSD, my husband was sleeping like four to six hours a night. He was av yeah. avoiding sleep because he was having really bad nightmares every single night and right. he wasn't able to stay asleep. But he felt like a high functioning human being. He looked like a very high performer in his field. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, and again, just working with the tip of the spear, I, I get this a lot, you know, I'm already elite, but I, I think if you, if you want to consider, or you want to think about actually leveraging your genetics and your skills and expertise, short sleep, you know, you are really just adapting to a lower level of, of cognitive and, and physical functioning when you're not getting the sleep that you need. And, and, Perhaps, um, you know, just because, you know, your husband is, is so talented in what he does, he's still operating above his peers just because of his talent level. But if he, you know, was really getting the sleep that he needed, he would be even better. And, and I guess that's where the, the opportunity is. And, and that's where I, I think the disconnect happens for a lot of folks is because we don't necessarily perceive our own declines, right? And this is well studied. Like there's lots and lots and lots and lots, lots of research that, you know, confirm the, this this fact that we we don't perceive our own physical and cognitive declines. So that that comes with short sleep. So um, you know, it's it's I think that's that's where the opportunity is. And, and I see this in the data over and over again. Once people write the ship as it relates to their sleep, you know, we're not talking about marginal gains in their life, you know, across whether it's, you know, the productivity at work or, um, you know, their just ability to be a, a better parent and a, and a better spouse and just attend to their day with more capacity or, you know, shoot their free throw better or, you know, be faster in the pool uh, and on the track. They all correlate to uh, sufficient sleep, right? So um, improvements and, and gains. And again, not marginal, you know, we're talking up to, to 20 to 30% improvements um, across these uh, various uh, performance metrics. 
Well, I can certainly vouch for that in our lives. I mean, he will tell you that he thought he was the kind of person that needed six hours of sleep until he started sleeping eight hours. <laughs> and then he yes. learned that he's the kind of person that needs eight hours of sleep. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, that's so good. I, I love to hear that. Let's talk about quality. So not all sleep is the same. Tell me about right. the different things that are happening while my eyes are closed. Okay. So you'll kind of transition from, you know, no awake state. And this is more not, you don't perceive yourself as being awake necessarily, but physiologically you're considered um, awake as it relates to sleep. So you, you kind of go from this awake type of state to a light sleep. Um, and then you get into soy sleep and then REM. And this is going to cycle throughout the night. The more, um, you know, anxious you are, for example, going to bed, um, the less you maybe mitigated, you know, your stress rest throughout the day. Uh, you know, maybe pre-bed you had, you know, some alcohol or you were, um, you know, trolling through your social media. You know, all of these things are going to result in, in potentially fragmented sleep throughout the night, which is going to disrupt that restore those restorative phases, the, the REM and the soul of sleep, which are responsible for, um, you know, your physical restoration as well as your mental restoration. So if you cheat yourself out of the time within those deeper stages of sleep, you don't, you wake up feeling less refreshed and, you know, not quite as effective mentally and, and physically. So, uh, you know, getting that quality of sleep is, is really core to, to, to capitalize on the learnings from the previous day and to consolidate the right type of memories and be able to apply them the next day. And then also to, you know, physical restoration as well. Well, I didn't start getting interested in REM sleep and deep sleep until I started measuring my sleep to see, you know, where it fell in. And now I'm kind of curious how much REM sleep do we need? How much deep sleep do we, like, how do I know if I'm getting enough? Yeah. You know, I, I think measuring your sleep with a, a reliable, you know, tool is, is the first step. Uh, you know, I think it's hard to, to know where you sit if you don't, you know, quantify and you want to spend roughly about 40% of your total sleep time in these deeper stages of, of sleep. That's generally the consensus across, you know, the, the sleep scientists of, of the world that, you know, that's, that's an optimal type uh, time frame um, when you look at your total time in bed. Okay. So my husband and I get to bed at the same time and I, I'm very fortunate. I get to go to sleep immediately. I'm like a Dracula, you know, just like put my hands up and then like slip <laughs> away coffin. and just, yeah. And just Amazing. like, <laughs> and then I don't move the entire night. Like I'm just, just asleep. He, on the other hand, has a lot of trouble getting to sleep. And while I was reading why we sleep, I learned the term sleep hygiene, so yeah. do you have any advice? Like, what are the big things that we can do to help ourselves get into the sleep state? Yeah, so getting into to deeper stages of, of sleep as soon as possible is, is definitely, a, I think, a skill. And it, and it starts kind of the moment, the moment you wake up. <laughs> and, and, and I say that because I, I, I see it in the folks that I work with. I see it myself as well. When you wake up in the morning, you want to actively think about the stress that you're incurring throughout the day. And to the extent that you can, you want to try to try to map your stress. So measure it, measure the stress, and then map it with a bout of rest. And it, and I, and I, I think the, the, a lot of the folks that I, I talk to, I think this is because stress is really sneaky and it builds throughout the day again, without you even really knowing how it's impacting you. So if you can, you know, use after, for example, we get done this podcast, it's, it's awesome stress. I love chatting about performance, but you know, I'm going to take about 90 seconds and I'm going to do some mindful breathing. 
and with the goal of basically just activating my parasympathetic branch of my nervous system, which is, you know, basically going to cue my heart to slow down and relax. Cause right now I'm sympathetic, right? I'm, I'm chatting with you and, you know, I'm trying to be the best version of myself. So I can give you good information and, and all that I'm driving the sympathetic branch, which is releasing cortisol and epinephrine and adrenaline. Right. So I can, you know, so I can be, you know, firing all cylinders, but I want to basically map this moment with rest. So what's happening, you know, biologically during this time of, of, of rest is, you know, I'm, I'm breathing through my nose for four seconds. I'm holding for a couple seconds. I'm breathing out through my nose for four seconds. And I do this for about 90 seconds. And that gives my, um, so what happens is my, my vagus nerve picks up on my lung expansion, which releases acetylcholine, which is a chemical in the brain that tells my heart rate to reduce. So you kind of have to do this breathing for about a minute in order for those mechanisms to, to start to fire. So I'll map doing this across the day, maybe three to five times can help me get into the deeper stages of sleep at night. And what I've done is I've basically erased any of the negative stress accumulation that comes from just driving my sympathetic state constantly throughout the day. I'm basically interrupting that. You know, Jason, this episode is all about measuring your performance to figure out if you need to make changes in your life as a result. And it makes me think in your banking relationship, what is it that you're measuring to figure out if you need to make some changes? You think about banks a lot. Well, one bank in particular, I I do think about it a lot. You're really good at this. (laughs) Uh, I think about the things that I would measure would be, am I getting charged minimum balance fees? Am I getting charged ATM fees? Am I getting charged foreign transaction fees, overdraft fees, stop payment fees? None of those are charges that you will incur at NBKC Bank. One of the things I love about our marriage is that I don't think about those things because I think Diana's probably got that handled. She's got it. She's thinking about all these fees. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to know that NBKC is your choice because I think you know what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Well, if you go to NBKC.com slash Diana, you'll see the point-by-point explanation of why NBKC is measuring all the stuff that you want to be looking at in your relationship with your bank and why they're so different from anybody else that you've seen. Also, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Oh, nice. Nice to fit that in. The Once you sign up and open an account, you get a free box of swag from Professional AF, books that we've had on the show. And I mean, it's amazing. People have started posting the pictures of their box on the Professional AF Podcast Insiders group, and it is exciting. That stuff is not available for sale, so you got to go to nbkc.com slash Diana to claim your box. Hurry. This box offer is expiring. As evidence that this entire episode is not just a giant infomercial for Whoop, we have waited this long to tell you exactly what a Whoop is. This part is sort of an infomercial for Whoop. That's exactly right. But just this part. Whoop is a fitness tracker that provides personalized daily insights into how much sleep you're getting, how much strain you're putting on your body, and the recovery that you get each day. So as you learned in this episode already, uh, and also like if you know anything about us, I have post-traumatic stress from my time in Afghanistan, and that caused me a lot of sleep problems over the years, including really bad nightmares. Uh, And I did a bunch of therapy, and that's gotten a lot better, and it's been really interesting with the Whoop 
to like track how my sleep has really improved, like deeply track it, like my deep sleep, my REM sleep, like I can actually see it and it's gratifying in addition to, you know, not being tired all the time. And what's been really interesting is that even though Jason is usually getting about an hour less sleep than I am, he's getting much more REM sleep and deep sleep, which is a big problem for me. I'm very competitive. Think about how much deep sleep and REM sleep I'm going to get. I start getting as much sleep as you get. Oh, it's overwhelming to think about. But what the WHIP has allowed us to do is figure out what specifically we need to work on. So Jason needs to figure out how to get to sleep faster. And I need to make changes in my day to help me elongate how much REM sleep and deep sleep that I'm getting. And without this kind of analysis, we would never understand exactly how to improve each one of our individual sleeps. And this is why people who use Whoop, they report improved sleep, they report less drinking, fewer injuries, and reduced resting heart rate, all kinds of positive changes because this thing shows you everything that's going on in your life and gives you the information you need to make appropriate changes. I get more sleep with the whoop because I'm like, I want to go to sleep because I want a good score in the morning. <laughs> yeah, because you want to be more recovered. It's yeah. not just a random number. But I just like the feeling when it's like, oh, you did a good job. So whoop has provided an offer for our listeners to get 15% off their purchase with the code Diana. You just go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use the code Diana at checkout to save 15% and optimize the way you live. Let me just restate what you just said. Okay. As we encounter stressors throughout the yes. day, which we might not even be aware of, our stressors. Yes. Good stress, bad stress, doesn't really matter. Pretty much the same thing's happening to our nervous system. It builds up something, which you express very elegantly, <laughs> that keeps <laughs> us from going to sleep at night. It does. It does. And, and I think it's, um, you know, you want to you wanna just create a somewhat of balance throughout the day. Um, and, and being aware of how your nervous system actually works and what you're doing to it and, and being conscious of that, I think is the first step to being able to control stress and, and, you know, not letting it control you. Two interesting things that I've learned since I started measuring. One of the most stressful parts of my day is the morning when we're trying to get my son out the door to school. Oh yeah. And I never, I never thought about it as such a high stressor and I certainly haven't done what you're talking about, which is like doing the deep breaths for for a yeah. minute, which I will will immediately implement. But that's been interesting to understand, you know, when I'm getting stressed that I didn't even know about. Also, when I'm speaking on stage, I learned that I spiked to 160 heart rate for like a 30 to 45 minute time period, which is like, you know, the equivalent of me just running for that entire time. Totally. I, and I just didn't understand the stress that it's taking on my nervous system, you know, without measuring it. Right. And and that's where, you know, I, I think with Whoop, you kind of see that building in real time, right? With the day strain metric. And you can see, I mean, I'll actually, when I give a presentation, an activity will get detected, right? Because my heart rate gets to a point where, you know, Whoop is, it knows what my baseline is. Um, so it can tell that, wow, okay, you're really stressing your heart. And you don't, to your point, you don't really realize you know, what these little things throughout the day, like I'm not on the treadmill, right? I'm just literally living, <laughs> but that is not 
not trivial, right? Those are really, it's important to kind of understand what these different activities throughout the day are actually doing to your system and then having measures and strategies in place that, you know, kind of help you deal with them. So you can go to your next activity with the same sort of energy and vigor and, you know, attentiveness and all the things that you strive to, to be, you know, you want to be able to sustain that throughout the day. I have to make decisions at the end of the day that are just as important at the front end of the day, right? And I want to be able to do that and, and be present for those, those moments and attend in the way that I need to in order to make the best possible decision. And if I'm not taking these rests throughout the day, I'm just not going to be where I need to be at the end of the day. So the, the only sleep issues that I have are when my son like wakes me up in the middle of the night or something happens in the middle of the night. It's like impossible oh, yeah. for me to go back to sleep what's yeah. happening in my body and what can I do about it? You almost need to kind of reset your routine. Um, and I, and I definitely can appreciate this, uh, you know, having, I have two children myself, so I, I definitely get, uh, now they're a little bit older, so they're not, you know, waking up like they did when they're really young, but I definitely can appreciate this. Um, I, I think the, 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 the going back to the, the, the breath work is, is really important. Again, you know, when you get woken up in the middle of the night, that's all of a sudden, you know, sympathetic nervous system, you're releasing all those, you know, hormones and chemicals that you need when you perform, right? It's, so it's it's really counterproductive when you're trying to sleep. So getting yourself back into that parasympathetic state is is really important. So, you know, doing some mindful work, picturing yourself, it sounds cheesy, but there's a lot of good research around this, picturing yourself in a, you know, either in kind of a hammock, warm sun, you know, swaying, kind of picturing yourself in this little, you know, velvet hammock cocoon and swaying in, in the breeze, you know, that can kind of get you in the right mindset. Or the other one I think is, is, is a canoe uh, and you're kind of laying all cozy in the bottom and you're just wafting in the breeze and you kind of put yourself in one of these two states. And, and meanwhile, you're, you're breathing, you know, all of a sudden you're starting to calm down and uh, you kind of get yourself back into, into the right frame of mind for, for sleep. Well, I started getting really sleepy while you were describing the <laughs> hammock in the canoe already. So I can't wait to try that out the next time it happens. Okay. When yeah. I was reading Why We Sleep, I yeah, I had my mind book. blown like every couple of pages. And there are all right? these things in the book that I feel like should be common knowledge. For instance, if you get a flu shot and you don't get enough sleep after you get the flu shot, it's not going to release all the things that your body needs to release to be able to fight the flu. Right. Is that crazy? Yeah. How is that not on the flu shot instructions? It should be, everyone should know that. Yeah, it, it's so funny. I went around to, I went around to folks in the office just making sure, hey, make sure your recovery is like a green, in the green before you get your flu shot. Yeah, it's just obviously when you think about it, it makes so much sense. But yeah, folks are not thinking about that at all. So, so what yeah. else, what else do I need to know? Like, what are the five things that you walk around being like, nobody knows this stuff, but it's impacting their life every single day. So what oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, definitely again, mitigating, you know, thinking about stress and rest, stress, rest in a, the most proactive way possible throughout the day is one of the most important life hacks, uh, a low hanging fruit, drink water and lots of it. <laughs> I think probably folks don't drink enough water and, and you should just be sipping it all day long. That definitely impacts your sleep as, as well. And, um, how does it do that? Well, it, you know, well, all of your biological processes, you know, need, need water in order to kind of happen. So, you know, that 
in order for it to, to kind of manifest in an optimal way, you, you need to have water in your, in your system. So everything is going to function more effectively when, when you've got enough water in your, in your system. So, uh, and, and not waiting, you know, you don't want to drink it all at the, at the end of the day, because then, or, you know, especially right before bed, because then you're going to be up, you know, throughout the night. So getting enough throughout the day. And I would say, you know, 0.75 ounces to, you know, every pound of body weight is, is probably, that's actually how much water you probably need. Maybe a little less, in, you know, if you're not sweating a lot in, in an activity. Um, but that's kind of the elite athlete recommendation. So that's a lot of water, right? So folks are probably getting half of that if, if they're lucky. So I think that, that rethinking water is really important. And then sleep-wake timing is also, sleep consistency is when I, the first thing that I address with folks uh, when we're trying to get their sleep right is going to bed and trying to stabilize and or make consistent the time that they go to bed and the time that they wake up. Because what happens is your, you know, your body has just a bunch of different clocks and one of the most important clock to, to regulate because it impacts every other clock in your system is this sleep-wake timing. So you want to go to bed and wake up at the same exact time as often as possible. Because what that does is that impacts, you know, your gut, your brain, your your hormones, all of those clocks. So if if you can stabilize sleep wake timing, all the other clocks in your system operate more more effectively. So now you're in a position where, you know, you things processes you're not even aware of, um, you know, in terms of hormone secretion and um, and your cognitive functioning. And now all of a sudden those things are happening at the at their highest level without even with just this one hack. So I listened to an entire podcast you did on sleep consistency. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the interesting things you talked about was having like a like a routine to go to sleep. Can yes. you can yes. you I want to get back to this list of things every everybody should know, but I really want to understand what a good routine looks like because right now my routine is like looking at my phone, <laughs> you know, brushing my teeth. Uh, I don't know that that's the best routine. Yeah. Well, you want to understand when your natural preference for sleep actually is. That's like really, really important. So understanding your chronotype, you know, when, when do I actually feel sleepy? Is it like 10 o'clock? Is it nine 30? Is it, is it 11? And then figuring out, okay, if it, if it's 11 o'clock or how early, how much time do I need to give myself to really downshift? And what are those behaviors that I need are going to help me downshift? So it's your point, you know, for some folks, being on your phone might be fine. You know, for me, you know, you asked in the beginning, you know, what do I do about Instagram and Twitter? Well, I don't have those things on my phone. Like I don't use that. I don't even know so, what you're saying right now. It doesn't even make any sense. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I no, know what you're exactly, saying. <laughs> right? I think, you know, putting yourself in a position to kind of dictate the terms has a, has a profound impact on, on your, on your, or your, on your psychology, but also on your biological processes, right? Like we want to be regulated to, to a degree, our, our, our systems thrive off of that. So thinking about those, that same concept prior to bed, um, you know, I guess that helps us understand why that routine or ritual before bed is so important because it's giving us cues, uh, mental and physical, um, and otherwise that basically prep our, our body to go into a state where it can really have optimal sleep. One of the big benefits of Diana getting really curious about sleep is that it finally brought the temperature down in the room when we sleep at night, which after 20 years 
is a big win for me. I know people who listen to the show have heard us debate about the temperature. And then I read this book, Why We Sleep, and it said that the optimal temperature is actually 65 degrees. People who listened to my podcast are like, they've been arguing about the temperature a for long a time. long time. Yeah. And just for the record, apparently I won that argument. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? Uh, you did your own research. That helped. But the other thing that happened is Diana said, we should go check out this thing called the Purple Mattress. And that's also been pretty awesome. I did a lot of research. As you know, all of the advertisers on our show are from products that we ourselves used first and then contacted them about. And if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you should try a Purple Mattress just like we did. Now, we went to a store to figure out what it felt like and, and what it was like just to make sure it was right for us. Jason, how would you describe the Purple Mattress? Uh, it's both firm and soft at, at the same time. So it's like it keeps everything supported the way it really should. And then it's breathable. So it sleeps cool. Uh, seriously, you should just go to a mattress store and do what I did, which is take your time and weirdly just go around and lay down on every mattress and then you're going to see like the purple mattress is the best. But that's what I did. I just went to everyone and looked like I was going to take Yeah, on out. their website, you can find out local retailers who, who have them in your area. If you buy a purple mattress, you get a 100-night risk-free trial. And if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. You get a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, and you get free in-home setup and old mattress removal. Uh, you're going to love this thing. You're going to love your purple mattress. Uh, right now, uh, our listeners, they can get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts that they're offering site-wide. You just text Diana, which is D-I-A-N-A, -A, but you know that because you listen to this podcast. I think you're saying it wrong. Diana. Uh, sorry. Text that to 84888. Uh, the only way to get this free pillow is to text Diana to 84888. Uh, that's Diana to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Nailed it. I want to get back to your list of, you know, things you wish everybody knew about sleep. Yeah. So, okay. I talked about stress rest. I talked about, I talked about sleep wake timing. I talked about water. I think the other piece is maybe just food. Is That's the other big influencer on our biological clock. clock and I'm not an RD by any means, but I, I think food definitely is, is going to impact, uh, will, will definitely impact your, your sleep for sure. Uh, and then obviously your energy management throughout the day. So, you know, getting, getting that right, I, I think is important, you know, as it relates specifically to sleep, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're creating a lot of kind of blood sugar variability, you know, throughout the night, like you don't want to have spikes in, in your blood sugar because that will fragment your sleep. So it's important before bed to make sure that you're dialing back, you know, certainly avoid processed foods. I think you want to probably ramp up your protein intake. You know, that would be the time frame that you'd want to have as much protein as, as possible in terms of, you know, what you kind of need, because you're going to be shifting into a parasympathetic state, presumably as you prep for, um, and, and go into, you know, and, and go into sleep, you'll be in a, a parasympathetic state, which is the best time to digest food, right? That's the rest and digest phase. So you, you want to try to minimize the confusion, um, or you want to minimize, you don't want your system to be confused by the signals you're sending it. So 
the light exposure will kind of do that. Again, you don't want to be bathing in all sorts of artificial light before bed, just like you don't want to be having a ton of carbohydrates right before bed because you're telling your body that you need to be, carbohydrates are going to put you in, in more of a sympathetic state, right? And when you want to save the carbohydrates, for example, for maybe a, you know, a little bit before you're working out, you're going to have some carbohydrates, you know, if you're going to lift weights, for example, like you need, you need that for your, your workout. This is amazing. The last, really? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so cool. It's just so many things that you are so blind to impacting how you sleep, how you live your life that that are actually affecting it much more than you realize throughout the day. Yeah, it, it does. Cause I, you know, I think just like anything like really, really starchy, um, it, it's, it's obviously going to initially raise your blood sugar, right? That's why it's really good pre-workout, but while you're sleeping, your body basically goes into a, a light fast. So what's happening physiologically is you're experiencing that crash in, in blood sugar while essentially while you're asleep. So that's what ends up kind of fragmenting, fragmenting your sleep. So, so. I should want protein and veggies. That's the, that's the well, goal for Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, if you eat on the earlier side, I know those with younger kids, sometimes we'll eat on the, the, you know, the earlier side, a great like little pre-bed snack uh, is, is like a, you know, maybe a quarter cup of cottage cheese is awesome because it's it's really it's got a ton of casein protein, which is really really it's super bioavailable, easy to digest, and it releases really slowly in the body. So this kind of ensures a, a real steady supply of, of amino acids throughout the night. So this again kind of helps stabilize the blood sugar and kind of keeps you in this really nice state where you just feel satisfied, but you're not like oh my god, I'm so stuffed, right? Well, this sleep stuff is amazing. I, I In the time remaining, I just have a couple of questions about all, all the other things that WHOOP measures. Okay. And, you know, the the first most important thing that it measures is not your steps, but your cardiovascular load. So yes. can you just explain why it's important to measure cardiovascular load and, and what that is? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so we, we kind of, so we have three different buckets, right? We have, we have sleep, bucket, we have a, a recovery bucket, and we have a strain bucket. So strain is basically the summation of all of your heart rate data from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. And that results basically in your overall day strain. Um, we, it, it, we basically calculate strain um, we, or we look at it um, kind of in terms of a weighted time series of heart rates. Um, and this is expire inspired by different levels of energy expenditure um, in different cardiovascular load zones. So it's basically on a, on a scale of zero to 21. Uh, and it's loosely based off of the Borg scale of perceived exertion, which is, you know, pretty well known in, in the world of exercise physiology. So just, you know, kind of helps people understand, um, you know, okay, oh, there's these different zones, the, you know, if I'm in zone six, that means my heart's working really hard. If I'm in zone one, my heart is working less hard. So that's kind of how we think about this scale. So as it relates specifically, you know, to, to what you're seeing on, on, in the, in the data on a daily basis, you know, the harder you're working, the more strain you're, you're going to build, the more recovered you are, the harder it will be for you to build strain because your system's working really efficiently. So that's where kind of this recovery metric and whoop and strain kind of work, you know, toggle back and forth in a really nice way and help you understand your cardiovascular system. And I think in a, in a, in a deeper, on a deeper level, because there's such a correlation between your, how well recovered you are on any given day and how you build cardiovascular strain. So the current president has said that he believes we are, we only have a certain number of heartbeats 
in our lifetime. And so exercising is going to waste those heartbeats. And I know in my, in my <laughs> gut that that's wrong, but I just need you to tell me why that's wrong. I mean, I, I, where do I even start with that statement? I'm sorry to just, uh, you know, lay that no, that's out hilarious. there, but well, like, I mean, exercise, no, it's actually, it's no, I, I love being able to answer the question because so exercise, you can overdo it, right? You know, not all exercise is created equal and, you know, running, you know, back-to-back marathons is, is for most folks is, is not going to make you cardiovascularly probably more robust, right? Like over time there, there, there's, there will be a diminishing, you know, kind of return on, on that type of work. So it's doing the right type of exercise to get, to, to create a physiological trigger that's actually improving your heart health. And that's where whoop, I think is so poor to kind of understanding how, what you're doing to your body and how, and is that actually improving your cardiovascular health? So looking at measures like your resting heart rate and heart rate variability, right, are really, really important to understand if the training that you're doing is actually helping you or hurting you. So for example, if your heart rate variability is decreasing relative to your baseline over time and your resting heart rate is increasing, then perhaps the exercise that you're doing to your body is actually not helping you, right? And that's where this data can be really helpful and informative to understand, okay, am I actually getting physiologically, cardiovascularly more fit? You know, and, and then you can kind of back into, all right, what type of training am I actually doing? Or am I not doing enough? Am I doing too much? Is it my sleep behavior that's, you know, impacting my capacity, which then is influencing, um, you know, my, my, you know, what I'm doing for, for exercise or not doing. So it just gives you information to be able to, di- to direct your training. And why is cardiovascular, like, is it the most important thing, cardiovascular health to our overall well-being? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if, if your heart, I mean, okay. if your heart, if your heart stops working, it's pretty much over, right? You know, if your liver doesn't work well, you know, you can, well, you need your liver, but there's, there's things in your system that you don't necessarily really need, but yeah, your cardiovascular health, I think you know, dictates a lot. So yeah, you, you want to be able to pay attention to that and, and optimize it and um, ensure that you're not, because a lot of folks are really well-meaning, right? They're, they're not trying to do the wrong things. You know, you look at someone, for example, who just looks on the outside, super, super fit. They cycle, you know, uh, you know, 40 miles a day and, and they look awesome, but really they're, they're probably not helping themselves in, in terms of longevity. And again, it just depends on what your goal is, but presumably if you want to wake up and live your values with as much energy and, and joy as possible, and, and you want to, be around for your kid's wedding and, and, you know, then grandkids and all that. Well, then you're thinking about longevity. So you just want to make sure that the the triggers that you're, the physiological triggers are, are help supporting that. And it doesn't have to be a whoop. Like people can start measuring this stuff in, in all kinds of different ways. But I, totally. I guess the biggest takeaway is you can't improve something that you're not measuring and you can't know exactly what's happening in your life unless you have these deeper insights into your like physiological state. Yeah. It's just, it's like it, it's there. So why not leverage it? The more information you have, the, the better decisions that you can make. And over time, like the, the better habits you're going to develop that will enable you to sustain, you know, a higher level performance. Kristen, thank you so, so much for this. Oh, you're so welcome. This is super fun. Again, thank you for having me. 
Jesse, before we get into the findings, I have to share with everybody on the show that the way that Jason and I found out about the whoop in the first place was because of you and Zach. And there was like a whole six month process where we were like, tell us more. Let me see your app. How does it work? Do you like it? What do you not like about it? So I just want to thank you so much for introducing me to this this journey. It's so great. I love the way you guys talk about it on the ads, how you're like, let me tell you about this thing. That was me telling you and Jason. That was it. It's live. <laughs> That's what happens. Yes. Like, it's great that they advertise on the show, but only because we called them and said, please, please, we don't even need to add copy. We'll yes. just we'll yeah. do it live. Yeah. Okay. So having been a longer time fan than me of the whoop did you have any big takeaways from the show well i love being able to know be aware of my sleep patterning and how all that works um for me in particular like the questions that they ask about like did you do this before you bed go to bed it's just like a good check-in and i know it's not listed on the list but i noticed that when i eat large amounts of food before i go to bed also a terrible idea and that impacts my sleep so just getting to know my habits and my patterning a little bit better is just been a game changer. Well, even the people that know Jesse best probably don't know that she has one of the, I don't know, most detailed <laughs> sleep hygiene patterns. I don't know. What, what do you call it? Like a sleep routine? It's a routine. Yeah, it's a ritual. So would you share <laughs> it with our listeners here, Jesse? I will. So I have listened to some more research about this like romanticism of sleep and um, choosing to enjoy the winding down process. And now I truly do enjoy the winding down process, but there are a few things that I've learned that just like work for me, not for everyone, but work for me. Uh, so I will start my evening. I'll just like kind of wash my face and I will put on specific PJ pants. So that triggers to my brain. And like, if this is, these are your PJ pants. This is time to go to bed. I will turn on like these, like the these Christmas lights, these like white Christmas lights in okay. my room. I put on my blue blockers. This is, this is I can't believe these that. are special glasses. These are yes. orange glasses that block out <laughs> yes. blue light. I just want to yes. explain to people oh, who yeah. aren't, you know, as familiar <laughs> as you and I are with blue blockers. Yep. Okay. Uh, this is, I can't believe I've been sharing all of this. Uh, no, then this I have a safe like, place. <laughs> just you and me in this room, Jesse. Yeah, totally. Anything else? Uh, I have a sleep spray. Okay. That's like a lavender spray. So I also am just trying you to spray give yourself it, or are you spraying just spray the bed? my bed okay. and my pillow, just kind of giving my brain a signal that it's like that association with that scent is bedtime. Um, I love to foam roll, even if it's just for like a couple minutes. Just again, to clarify to people listening, <laughs> that's where you roll around on a round foam object mm -hmm. to uh, release stress from your muscles. It's great. Yep. Uh, so even if that's just like one to three minutes, just super quick. Um, and then I have a very, I think I've talked about it before. There's a very regimented like journaling practice that I have. So I will turn on some, um, some sleepy time music, I guess. And then I'll just kind of do my journaling process, whether that's like with a physical journal or journaling on my phone. Um, and just kind of, I think of it as like, I'm sorting my memories away and putting them into files that I, um, want to feel better about, I guess. And then I, unplug the lights and I fall asleep. It sounds like a lot like you. I am like Dracula, just kind of like I fall right asleep. So I do not have the same kind <laughs> of sleep ritual uh, like Jesse does. And so please don't attempt the entire thing. It seems like you would have to start at 6 p.m. To, to get to bed by 10. But, uh, you know, feel free to try something on that list because it's yeah. a really detailed list of a lot of options for you to try. Yeah, I love sleep time now. 
Well, Jesse and I would love to hear your sleep time rituals, whether they're working for you or they're not working for you. Uh, at On our Facebook group, it's called Professional AF Podcast Insiders, where we share all kinds of additional information. People have been posting the boxes that they're getting from NBKC uh, of all the swag from the show. They're talking about what's happening at their jobs, both challenges and things that they're excited about. We would love to have you join us there. Uh, we'd love you to share the show with somebody that you think needs to listen to it could benefit from more sleep in their life which is pretty much every one of us amen and i just want you to remember don't forget to get your sleep no i'm kidding curiosity is your superpower use it wisely use it to get more sleep develop better habits in your life and you'll wake up a brand new person i love it should we do like a a minute breath session like we talked about in the episode after this (laughs) Yeah, take a second. We're going to sign off. We're going to do the breath session, and we'll talk to you next week.